0: By the time John had arrived at the foot game, football game, the first quarter was almost over, and his friend who was seated down said, why are you so late? And John said, well, I had to flip a coin to decide between going to church and coming to the football game, John answered. And his friend said, well, how long could that possibly have taken? And his friend said, well, you never know. I had to flip that coin 12 times before I could come to the football game. Oh, laugh! We love our sports, don't we? Don't we love our sports? We're always about the Kentucky Wildcats, we're talking about Big Blue. We're not talking about Big Blue, we're talking about Boyle County High School, or we're talking about Danville High School. I think that's one of the things that makes Tailgate Sunday here so popular is the fact that we gather all in the name of sports, and of course there is so much more other than sports, but it's a common denominator that brings us together. We have a love for sports. But I don't believe there's any among us that would say it comes down to one person or one athlete or one sport. No matter how good they are, no matter how famous they are, no one ever became successful by themselves. There is always a team involved. There are always others involved in any success. And as all of you know, there is no I in the word team. You know, whether it's composed of 11 guys on each side of the football, or whether it's composed of five ladies on each side of the basketball, or whether it's simply a golfer and his caddy, nothing is ever really accomplished by one person. It takes others, others who are always instrumental in the success of the one or of the many. And so it is with the church, the little c., It takes a lot of people fulfilling the individual mission of Jesus Christ to go and to make disciples in order that the church might be successful. It is never accomplished by one, it is never accomplished by few, it is always accomplished by the many. The church at Corinth was a troubled congregation. There were probably only 50, 75 members in that church, and they were at one another's throats they were divided because of political factions they were debating sexual ethics they were fighting about who should receive the Lord's Supper and who shouldn't receive the Lord's Supper they were even suing each other in court probably over very trivial matters they were bowing down before the shrines of their Greek culture their paganistic culture and they were defending their actions with slogans And probably a bumper sticker type theology. And to top it off, there were even members of the Corinth church who felt that they were more spiritual than other members in the Corinth church. And it is to that church that Paul writes his letter this letter in 1 Corinthians in chapter 12. And Patty's done an excellent job going through it. I'm not going to read it to you all over again. I wish I had these visual aids at the beginning because I would have shown you all these and then we would have been done and you all could have gone home. Unfortunately, Patty didn't give me fast enough, so now you know, I've got to show them all over again. The body. The body of Jesus Christ. Paul got his attention recognized immediately to these Corinthians when they was talking when they were talking about bodies. It's a relationship that forms community, and these Corinthians, these Greeks, would have known about it. It had been used before by Roman and Greek orators, used as an image of togetherness. And metaphorically speaking, the Corinthians would have been right up that path. Yeah, I understand exactly what you're talking about. You know, I understand about a nose. I understand about a hand. I understand about, what's the other one, Patty? Eye. oop, ear. It's a good image to drag out when you're trying to express unity or you're trying to express togetherness. But what was Paul really aiming at at this church at Corinth, which was in chaos? You know, throughout the Bible, you're going to find word pictures of what the church should be about. And I think any church, including our church, should go back to the Bible and understand what the true purpose of the church really is. If you go to 1 Corinthians in chapter 3, you're going to find that the church is compared to a field and to a building. If you go to Ephesians 5, you're going to find that Paul compares the church to a bride. And in each of these comparisons, the church is like this or like that. But in this passage in the 12th chapter, Paul says... The church is the body of Jesus Christ. Not like the body of Jesus Christ. We are the body of Jesus Christ. We is the body of Jesus Christ. We're one in him. And in that imagery, Paul gives a blueprint, a new blueprint for the church in Corinth, and he gives us the blueprint that we should be following today. He shows us what we need to be about as the body and how we need to go about building the church that we might be about Christ to fulfill the mission that he has placed before us. Not about our own personal, selfish, self-centered agendas, but about him. And the first characteristic that Paul would drive home is one of unity, It's one of unity, for just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Jesus Christ. Throughout the New Testament, you will find warnings again and again and again, not to be distracted by arguments, not to be distracted by dissension, and I believe that's a lesson for us here today as well. You need to ask yourself sometimes, is what we're arguing about really important? Is what we're taking issue with one another about truly important? Is it bringing people to Jesus Christ, or is it just separating us further apart? Are we unified in the Christ or not? Because if we're not bringing people to Jesus Christ, what in the world are we doing? And if we're not faithful to Jesus Christ, what in the world are we doing? Most things are not even worth arguing about, even though we will argue. You know, the apostles had one mind. That's the mind of Christ. It guided them to do everything. They had one purpose in life, and that was to spread the good news. That was to spread the message of Jesus Christ. It's funny how you, when you identify the first and foremost priority in your life, everything else falls to the wayside. Everything else becomes less important. If you got the one priority right, everything else becomes a distant second. And the best way to destroy the image of Christ in our church is to keep arguing amongst ourselves. You hear me? The best way to destroy the image of Jesus Christ in our church is to keep arguing about ourselves. If we are one body in Jesus Christ, then we share one mind, we share one purpose. Nothing else should really matter about, except the purpose what Jesus Christ placed in us. And if we were about that one purpose, folks, we could transform the whole world. We could transform it all. Every part of this body is necessary. Every part of this body must be doing its job, whether you're a football team, whether you're the human body with the nose, the ear, the eye, the feet, or whether you're the church of Jesus Christ. There must be unity in order to succeed. And the unity we find has always been and will always be in Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Some of you are called to be the mouth Proclaiming the gospel or teaching in the classroom. Some of you are called to be the eyes and the ears, calling the church to an attention for where weaknesses and human need cry out. You need to be the eyes and ears of the church. Some of you are called to be the hands and feet of the church, taking on a special servant's role and serving those who cannot serve themselves. Some of you are called to be the brains of the church, administering the church, making sure that we are faithful to the mission that God has given us. Some of you are called to be the heart of the church, heart of the church evidenced by your own day-to-day lives in what you say, in what you do, and in how you treat others. You know what part of our problem is? Is that we look at the church as another secular organization. We're all familiar with secular organizations, so we just think the church is another organization like that. We think that we're members of the organization. So what we do is we come down and join the organization, and then we go to all the meetings that the organization has, and we pay our dues every week, and then sometimes we'll read the organizational newsletter just to find out what's going on. That is not Christ's model for the church. Christ's intent is that his people will be joined the same way as a physical body. Everybody working together unified toward his purpose in a living dynamic relationship indispensable to the whole body. Whether you're an eye, an ear, a nose, a foot, a hand, whatever. For the person In whom Christ dwells. The church is not an option. It's not an option. It's a necessity. It's the only way you can be made whole. Unity. If we're not unified, folks, we're lost. Second thing equality. Equality. Healthy body of Christ values all of its members, all of its members equally. You know, as the senior pastor of this church, it is my honor and my privilege to stand before you every week and to preach to you. But let me assure you, my importance to this church is no greater than any other member. Absolutely none. From the young to the old, we are all equally valuable. We are all equally important to the body of Jesus Christ. And it is important to understand that while we all have different gifts, We've all been blessed differently. We are all essential and we are all equal in God's sight. There are no superstars in God's work. There are some who believe they're superstars, but there are no superstars in God's work. Period. In God's perfect plan, each of us uses his or her different talents, interests, and abilities for the entire body to be built up, to be equal and valued equally. We can't all be teachers. If we were all teachers, who's going to clothe us? Who's going to feed us? We can't all be farmers. If we're all farmers, who's going to bandage our wounds? The body works because we have different wonderful gifts that we use together equally in a unified fashion to fulfill the purpose. When we use all of the gifts that God has given us, our lives are enriched, the church grows, and the world changes. You ever felt that you weren't good enough? You ever felt that you didn't have anything that you could give? Ever thought your abilities were ain't? Max Lucado once wrote these words. He says, a society that doesn't believe in God sees no inherent value in human beings. Let me say that again. A society that doesn't believe in God sees no inherent value in human beings. You know what happens when that happens? We create our own values about human beings and what is important and what is not important. We value other people because of their appearance or because of their performance. You know, if you're good looking, if you're smart, if you're athletic, if you earn a lot of money, well, you must be valuable. And if you don't fit any of that criteria, You're just taking up space and sucking down oxygen. Check out Jesus' value system. Check out the Jesus of the New Testament who loved the outcast, the poor, the handicapped, the unclean, the sinner. Why? Why was that value system so different from what we have today? Max Lucado gives you the answer. Jesus' love doesn't depend on what we do for him. Because in the eyes of the king, we all have value simply because we are. Let me say that again? In the eyes of the king, we all have value simply because we are. Doesn't that make you stand up a little taller? Doesn't that make you sit up a little straighter? Because you probably don't meet all the criteria. But in Jesus' eyes, he loves you and you have value just the way you are. You ever read those signs in front of churches? We got one. We haven't put any little quips on there. Maybe we will. I saw one recently that talked about what's missing in our CH, blank, blank, CH. You are. You are. Love that. Love that. That's what's missing in our church. You are. I know it's probably corny, but the sentiment is true. Let me tell you something else. You can't spell unity or equality without you. I love it. You know, that's the only thing you all are going to remember. You'll leave today and go, yeah, it was a great sermon, but you know what? You can't spell equality or unity without a you. You, folks, you. And the best place to see that picture is go to the early church, go to Acts, go to chapter two, go to chapter four, where people are coming together. The rich are even selling their positions, possessions, so that there's a unity and equality in the early church. They're coming together as the body of Jesus Christ, and it makes all the difference in the world. The final characteristic we got unity, we got equality, empathy, folks. Empathy. We should be feeling for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. That's a little hard for us to understand, isn't it? We value that rugged individualism. We like that self made man or that self made woman. I'm a self made man. I'm a self made woman. I don't ask for help. I can do it all alone. I did it my way. We like that, don't we? Don't we? Empathy is the sharing of our lives with one another, and that's the good and the bad. And often we present a facade, don't we? When we come to church out there in the narthex, man, we're dressed to the nines. We showered, we shaved, we smell good. We got our hair comb. Nice facade. We're saying, hey, I'm victorious in Jesus Christ. I look good, I smell good. Every hair is in place. Are we okay? No, we're not okay. One thing I've learned with the passing of each and every year is that none of us have got it all together. Not one of us has it all together. And we tend to get stuck in a rut even when we come to church. We ask each other, how are you? I'm fine. How are you? And we keep doing that. How are you? I'm fine. How are you? We do that. Sooner or later, someone's going to find out that you're not really fine. you got problems. you got issues in your life. And we were never meant to bear the burdens alone. The body of Christ was meant to suffer with those who suffer, and it was meant to rejoice with those who need to be rejoiced with. A healthy body, a body built in Jesus Christ, we come along each side, aside each other, in our weaknesses and in our joys. We are always there for each other. Now, I'm not trying to embarrass anybody here today, But I want you to take a look around this congregation. I want you to look at the person next to you. I want you to look at the person across the aisle. You're probably going, gee, I don't want to look at them. I want you to look. Look at them close. They look pretty good to you, don't they? Kevin, Karen, you going to look at each other or are we going to stand there? Okay, I just want to make sure. Not trying to embarrass. But whether you know it or not, there are people in this congregation whose hearts are aching. There are people who are confused, people who are angry, people who are lost, people who are scared, people who are broken in spirit, and they need you. They need what you've got, and that's what the church, that's what the body of Christ is all about. You don't have to go through any of this alone, and Jesus Christ never meant that you go through any of this alone. Ken Medema has a great song. The title of the song is If This Is Not a Place, and I just want to give you these quick lyrics. This is what he writes If we are not the body of Christ in the world, then what good are we? If this is not a place where tears are understood, then where shall I go to cry? And if this is not a place where my spirit can take up wings, then where shall I go to fly? If not here, folks, where? At the bowling alley? at the bar, at the football stadium, at Constitution Square, at the hub? If you can't do it here, where are you going to do it? You know what our greatest problem in the world today, and probably therefore in the church today, is that we concentrate on what separates us. We concentrate on what divides us. We concentrate on the differences amongst us and we drive it right up the wall with our selfish, self centered agendas. And we will be forever divided as a church if we stay at each other's throats. We need to concentrate on those things that bring us together, and there is one, and that is Jesus Christ. When the church stops taking its cues from Jesus Christ, disaster and death are imminent. Let me say that again. When the church stops taking its cues from Jesus Christ, then death and disaster in the church are imminent. Church is not about building, not about budgets. Not about bigness, not about people, not about programs, not about progress. The church, the body of Christ, is not about how many show up and worship. The measure of the church is how many go out those doors and make a difference in this world through the love of Jesus Christ. Do I have an Amen! Amen! That's what the church is about. That's who you and I are. We are members, unified, equal, and hopefully empathetic with one another in Jesus Christ our Lord. We're not members of some organization, but we're living members eternally, eternally, permanently attached to Jesus Christ. Before Christ ascended into heaven, he gave us the purpose. He gave the purpose to his disciples. He therefore gives it to us that we are to go throughout the world baptizing in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. We are to show people that God is alive and that God loves every person on this earth and He's available right here, right now, to make a difference in your life. His Holy Spirit fills this place. His Holy Spirit fills this world. And this world needs to see us working together in unity, in equality, and in empathy. We need to work as the body of Jesus Christ. It's not about our selfish goals. It's about Christ. Keep the main thing, the main thing. And I challenge you this week. I challenge you. Ask yourself, what if the church looked like me? What if the church acted like me? Would the church be better? Or would it be worse? The church was me, would it be better or would it be worse? Let me leave you with these words words of St. Teresa. Christ has no body now but yours, no hands, no feet on earth but yours. Yours are the eyes through which he looks with compassion upon the world, yours are the feet with which he walks to do good. Yours are the hands with which He blesses the entire world. Yours are the hands. Yours are the feet. Yours are the eyes. You are the body of Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior. You are His body. You are the hope of the world. And the world will never know Jesus Christ Unless we, as the body, show them what it means to be about Jesus Christ. Would you bow your heads with me, please?